What's up, everybody? My name is Adam, and I'm the host of the You Know Adam Same podcast, the show that is dedicated on bringing on passionate people, learning about their stories, and delivering value to entrepreneurs. So if that's what you're interested in, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the You Know Adam Same podcast, where you get to know a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Today, sitting across the way, I have Jake Tarver of Mascot Pecan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Or is it Pecan? That's what I wanted to get into. <laughs> Let's I actually, talk about that was it. my first. I wanted to set the record straight. Okay. I want your opinion. Okay. Because my I, opinion? Yeah, because I, I, I have ask a, your opinion. I have a, you know, a way around, you know, how to. I'm sure you get that both. question yeah. all the time. And it was it, it was a saying that came from my dad. But I, what what do you think? I'm I don't know. I'm gonna say pecan or pecan. I honestly like in my normal vernacular, I usually say pecan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do too. Okay, and that's mainly a, a southern thing. Okay, but you would think pecan kind of comes from the northern part, but you actually have a lot of people in Alabama, you uh-huh. know, that use pecan. Okay, um, and then there's also people that say pecan. Pecan? Yeah, or pecan, pecan, pecan. You know, there, there's a lot of different sayings for that's, it. But that's crazy. Kind of the, the thing we came up with, where my dad came up with to, to please everyone is they're pecans when you buy them and pecans when you sell them. Because okay. normally when you're buying from the farmers, you know, everybody's from the south, okay. southern, you know, you say, well, buy your pecans. <laughs> okay. And then when you're selling them, a lot, you know, they're going everywhere. Yeah. So we usually say pecan. It, I, I have a problem where I usually say both uh-huh. without, you know, even knowing. Okay. So I'll be saying a whole sentence, you know, and pecan, pecan this, pecan that. And then I'll say pecan this. And I don't even really realize what I say anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there's a balance, right? Right. So that's all about compromise. But uh, for we, we jump directly into kind of like, you know, the huge debate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but tell me a little bit about mascot pecans. Okay. Yeah, so I kind of set the the story. So, have you seen the movie Cars before? I have. You're like the very first one, where it was the whole like, all oh, the interstates coming through, the the town's gonna, what are we gonna do? It, it's kind of the same story. So, back in the '50s, um, mm-hmm. Highway 301, which runs you know through Statesboro, and it used to be the only highway that was north and south before the interstate. So okay. There was a time before I-95. You know, we don't know because yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was before our time. But 301 was the only way you could get Maine to Miami, one way, one road. Okay. So along 301, through these towns, you know, there used to be towns all through 301 that were, you know, Statesboro, Glenville, Claxton, all the way up and down. And they used to be just pretty, you know, big towns like Glenville. I don't know if you're familiar with the Mm -hmm. area, but it's a very, it's a two-stop like town. It used to have like five motels that would fill up at night Mm -hmm. uh, back in the 60s and 70s. And so my grandfather started a small gas station called The Mascot. Okay. In Glenville. In Glenville. Okay. And along, it was right off of 301. So as travelers would come by, you know, they would stop, you know, get gas, buy some knickknacks, you know, selling, he was selling everything between fireworks, gas, you know, coconut Very lamps. entrepreneurial. Yeah. So it's, it's similar. Like you, you see them a lot on, in Florida on the mm-hmm. interstate now is, you know, you walk into a gas station and you'll keychains and just a bunch of just junk that's like, oh, <laughs> a, a keychain that says Adam. Yeah. Like, this has, has a my license name on plate. It. It yeah. Has my name on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, I'll buy that. It, it was kind of similar. <laughs> okay. And then my grandmother, who um, she would, you know, make little pies and cakes and hand shell pecans in the back and put them in little bags and sell them in the store. 
and they also yeah yeah was there any like uh cooked food or was that just kind of like just the pies and that sort of thing i don't know because i would i would have to see because my my grandfather also used to own a a hog farm okay um back in the day so maybe they were selling some meats and things like that they did have uh what's called uh, they called it the Dairy Ranch, uh-huh. which is similar to like Dairy Queen now. That was right beside, and that's where they would make you know food and you know sell milk and and things like that. Um, but really, what kicked off was the pecans or pecans. Um, yeah. My grandmother would would hand shell them, put them in bags, and sell them to travelers along 301. And she did that for a couple of years, and they would get letters written from people in you know up north saying like, "Wow, these you know best tasting." Pecans I've ever had. Like, can what, you send me some? What was she doing with the pecans? Nothing. You know, it's just back then. You know, the grocery s- supply chain wasn't so instantaneous like today. You know, you can walk into the store and get grapes from you know all over the world. <laughs> sure. You know, uh, onions from Colombia. You know, uh-huh. everything you can you can have any type of fruit whenever you want it now because you know everything's in season along the world. We we'll ship it everywhere. But back then it wasn't like that. So. The the pecans that were in the grocery stores up north were just, you know, stale or old crop. You know, mm. there's a difference between old crop and new crop, which is, you know, each crop every year, the, the pecan trees will yield a crop. And new crop is, you know, the crop that came off that year. But you have to sell that through the whole year gotcha. until the next crop. Understood. So there comes a point to where when the new crop comes in, last year's crop is now called old crop. Okay. So... The crops of pecans that were shipped up north in the grocery stores is just they they didn't taste well. So when you came down south, because she was doing it right fresh. off the tree, you and know, put the them in a bag. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So people were like, "Can you send us some?" Okay. Like, yeah, we we really love them. So they kind of started a little mail order business where they would you know hand shell pecans, put them in bags, and ship them to people up north and out west and and things like that. And then it kind of spiraled into my, you know. I can't keep up with, you know, these hand crackers. So my, my grandfather bought a little shelling machine, you know, that you could just dump the, the in-shell pecans in there and crack them open. And it just spiraled into what it is today. Mm-hmm. And um, what is it today? So today mascot is, uh, you know, we have seven different production lines making candies, peanut brittles, peanut snacks. And, you know, I bet you're thinking, how do you get from hand-shell pecans to you know, a fully integrated candy factory. Mm -hmm. And that comes when in the 90s, when my uncle and uh, my dad bought the company from my grandfather. Mm -hmm. And when you shell pecans, you have byproduct, you know, everybody wants, you know, to a pecan. Yeah, you have you have two halves, you know, so that's your full pieces that people want, you know, because that's what looks the best, put them on cakes, pies. Nobody wants the little pieces, you know, or the mill that comes off during the shelling and you know, you have rot that you sell, you know, you have, you have to sell everything sure. or else it's not going to be profitable. Sure. So my dad had the idea, which he says, looking back on it now, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> but it's like, why don't we make candy out uh-huh. of the byproduct, you know, the pieces and the little things. So they started making candies out of the, the, the products like that nobody really want. There wasn't a high demand for. Mm-hmm. So value added candies. Sure. And it spiraled into where we are today with, you know, seven different production lines. Wow. And yeah, so it's come a long way from my grandmother's hands. I know, you know? <laughs> I know, I know. There's so much to unpack in here. Uh, let me just kind of like start. So um, how many different items does Mascot currently have? It's 
hundreds, really. Really? So to break it up, we have what I would say three different divisions. Um, we have e-com, which is our website, you know, mail order catalog business. We have commercial business, which is like restaurants, um, ice cream stores for ingredient use. Okay. Um, and then we have retail, which is, you know, our branded name in stores out, you know, grocery stores and dollar stores, that, that kind of business. So that's where we break it up, really. And we also have fundraising. Okay. So there's really four. So fundraising meaning school, like you have a kid in school, they bring home a magazine mm-hmm. selling wrapping paper, <laughs> yeah. candy. You know, we uh, we have a divisions that uh, we bought back in um, 2007 called Scots of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. which was a candy company in Wisconsin that was really big in the fundraising business. Um, they were going bankrupt. So we saw the opportunity there to buy the machinery and the brand name and build it back to what it used to be. And and now we're one of the number one um, suppliers in that fundraising uh, division. So wow. if you see, you know, you open up the magazine and see like peanut butter shaped bears or, uh-huh. you know, uh, caramel cups, that, that kind of so stuff. So this is now has moved past just the, the byproduct from be- pecans. Yes. Right. Yeah. Now you're really like candy mm-hmm. yeah. uh, production. Yeah. It's about 50 50 between okay. raw pecans and pecan, like shelling ingredient wise and candy mm-hmm. um it's it's about 50 50. that's amazing um when did all this happen so <clears throat> what i heard in the story earlier was uh grandfather grandfather and grandmother kind mm-hmm. of like started uh a demand for this by mailing out so mm-hmm. at that time it was only um whole pecans being sent out mm-hmm. and then when your father and uncle came into the business uh, they started working on the candy side of things. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. And then they got into kind of like the wholesaling uh, to restaurants, every, every all that side of the things. Yeah. And now you have kind of like, you know, stepped into the business mm-hmm. and kind of like, what is this new age that mm-hmm. you're planning on bringing? Well, my father and my uncle, you know, they did a great job on building out that business, what we call private label. So making candy for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen you know, tons of people buying the product, putting it under their own brand. So maybe we sell you um, a chocolate, you know, covered pecan in bulk, and then you take it to your facility and put it in bags and sell it in your store. And everybody's like, wow, you know, these are the best. And I'm like, well, we made them. You yeah. Know, what, what, like, how can we, you know, start getting our name out there, you know, and, and move further and further away from the the private branded stuff, but you still have to have that because it's the core, you know, part of the business. Sure. Um, At least for right now. Right. And, and compete in that retail space. Mm -hmm. So when I came in, you know, that was kind of the thing I was like, look, this is what, you know, we need to try to do. And it's a really tough thing to bite off when you're pretty much like, I want to go out there and compete with Hershey and Mars, sure. you know, and your little old mascot. Sure. And you, you have to you have to build that name, that brand awareness. You know, you have to have products that, you know, differentiate yourself from Hershey's and Mars and Ferrari and all the big, you know, big candy companies out there and compete for shelf space, which is just it's brutal. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's so, swimming with the sharks. Yeah. So how how is that experience been it, like? I know that um, in a in a supermarket, mm-hmm. really, what people are paying for is kind of like positioning, right? Yep. Yep. Because as you are walking through the store, mm-hmm. your eyes are going to our level. Yep. So anything that's kind of like level with your eye, mm-hmm. that is prime real estate. Right. And most of the time in grocery and in some stores, they have what's called slotting fees. So okay. you know, if you want this position on a shelf or you want this position on yourself, you have to pay 
the the retailer to put your product in there, you know. <laughs> okay. And when you're competing, you know, with the big guys who have all the money, they're, they're just, you know, oh yeah, throw that out there and put it on the shelf. You know, yeah. it, it's really hard to compete. So that's where you have to, you know, go back to what do we have to our advantage, you know, family owned, you know, batch made, that kind of thing. And then, you know, design the packaging. We, we've gone through, you know, since I started five years ago, full time, um, we've gone through, you know, probably four different packaging you know, design iterations to kind of see what niche fits, you know, for our brand. And mm-hmm. we've came to, you know, certain designs that work, some designs that don't work, product size, ounce weights, you know, you may come into a store and they're, you know, the buyer's like, we want seven ounces of product, you know, in this bag. And you're like, got it, mm-hmm. you know, and you get it out there, it doesn't sell at all. And mm-hmm. they're like, well, it didn't work. And it's like, well, if we would have done, you know, a four ounce, you know, or if the shipping display was, uh, a 30 count instead of a hundred count, the sell through would have been better, you know? So it's a lot of, you know, trial and error to, try, to try to lock that in. Right. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Um, I want to change direction again uh, a little bit and really talk about kind of like this, um, entrepreneurship within the family, mm-hmm. right? It seemed as if your grandfather and grandmother, mm-hmm. uh, were entrepreneurs. I mean, that's plain and simple. You mm-hmm. said, um, that they kind of did uh, this gas station that kind of morphed into this uh, pecan business, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. Was that ever shown to you when you were growing up? Definitely through my, you know, my dad, mm. uh, you know, working. I've worked, that's all I've ever done my whole life was work at the company. Yeah. Um, which, Even when you were younger. Yeah. So, I mean, working, coming out of high school, you know, getting off of high school, at, you know, three o'clock and then going to work for a couple hours, painting doors. You know? <laughs> um, I, I started working in our, we have a, a shop where we, you know, build and fabricate things, which an, another thing, you know, which we're lucky to have is a lot of, you know, shade, what I call shade tree mechanic engineering. Um, so we're able to like build and weld and cut and torch everything and, and build things that we need, you know, to give us that competitive edge without, you know, having to go out and buy a, you know, $300,000 machine mm-hmm. whenever we can help, you know, build something that gets the job done enough to get the customer base first, then and go then, out. And then you know. go out and secure the right. machine. Nice. Yeah. So I, I started in, you know, working in our shop, learning how to just weld and use plasma cutters and kind of build. And, and that's kind of always what I, what I like the, the engineering side of it. And, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the dynamic between my dad and my uncle and my, my, my dad is more on the business side, you know, sales and management. And then my uncle is on the engineering side, making sure, you know, Everything keeps running, you know, fixing the machines. He's a self-taught em- engineer, mm. um, didn't go to school, taught himself how to, you know, wire up machines and PLCs and, you know, really, really smart guy. That's awesome. Um, and then my dad went to Georgia Southern, um, you know, got a business degree and, you know, started working for his dad at the company and he hasn't done anything either. So since, it, yeah, you know, it hasn't worked anywhere else. It, it's interesting to me, um, because, you know, a lot of times they say, oh, don't get into business with your friends. You always right. hear that. And then the sec- close second one, or maybe this mm-hmm. is even before that, don't mm-hmm. get into, you know, business with family. Right. And, you know, I am in also in business with my family. Mm-hmm. It's very kind of like, you know, uh, I think it's an advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, for you, how, why does that misconception often, why is that out there? I think it's, you have to have, define roles of, of who does what and kind of let that person manage that side of things, you know, and that's where I think my, my dad and my uncle, you know, really fit together is because my dad was, you know, sales and, you know, 
figuring out product designs and stuff. And then my uncle was, you know, engineering, you know, figure out how to make it run. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of where you have, um, you know, problems in this type of business is always marketing never listens to production and production (laughs) never listens to marketing. So, you know, you come out and it's like, I want to make this type of product and we got to do this and that. And it's like, well, we don't have any machine that does that. It's like, figure it out. Yeah. And and that's kind of where it's fit, you know, well, because they each have defined roles of of what they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you ever, are there ever any I don't want to. I want to get into the tea a little bit, but you know, are there ever times when there are arguments? Definitely, yeah. yeah. You know, everybody has arguments on ways they think they should do things. You know, we're all you know hard-headed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> everybody thinks their idea is the best, mm-hmm. and it's you know that's the good thing about it is just kind of uh, you know debating on you know ideas on how to do things. Mainly, like you know, when we're expanding in production, you know, me and my cousin, you know. We've worked in the production lines, you know, and seen how things flow in the production. And, and, you know, our dads are, you know, in the offices making sure everything else is running good. And we're on the floor, too. And we see, well, this doesn't really work right. So when we when we go to add on and build something else, let's make sure we we focus on that part of the business, you know, that part of the production to make it work better. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of got to go back and forth of, well, here's why I think this is better. Here's why, you know, you think this is better and then find that common ground. I, I think for me, you know, one, one, one thing that I've always kind of geared towards is I know that the argument will happen because mm-hmm. obviously the experiences that someone has versus the experience that I have are different. Right. right? That's just the reality of it, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you're talking about, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the elders, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's easier to know, have these arguments with family than it is mm. like friends or a coworker, you know, mm-hmm. who's not family. Yeah. Because I think at the end of the day, you're still family. So no matter how heated the argument gets, you know, you still have to settle right, it. You still have to settle it. <laughs> well, I was saying, it's like with friends or people, you know, acquaintances, it's just like, get out, you know, we're done. Well, I, I think for me, like what I try to remember is regardless of what the argument is, I know that on their side, they also at the end of the day, want to improve the business. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times what happens is when people are kind of going back and forth, they lose sight of that. They're like, oh, it's more about the ego, right? It's, right. oh, I want to be right, right, as opposed to is this what is best yeah. for the business? There's there's arguments that happen in any sort of kind of like relationship or friendship or whatever, business relationship, that it's something that does happen. Mm-hmm. But if you can't realize at the end of the day what the motive mm-hmm. behind what is happening, that's, I think, when everything yeah. becomes skewed. Yeah. You have to kind of look at like, what's the end goal that mm-hmm. you're trying to accomplish? Did you get there? then it doesn't matter whose idea it was. You got to the end goal, move on, you know, and and figure out something else to do next. That's right. Tell me about kind of some of the uh, challenges that you guys have faced in this process. We've had a lot of challenges as far as meeting, you know, deadlines. So the the time keeps going on. So if you're setting up a production line, you know, say we we purchase a new production line or trying to build a new building to increase... um, Volume. You know, volume, yeah. yeah. So we, we're the the mascot is placed on our my grandfather's old farm. So we have you know land to expand in all directions. Um, so when you're trying to, for instance, you know we uh, we purchased a company um, out of or the production assets of a company in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, called Old Dominion Peanut Company. Okay. And we were tasked with, all right, it's December. We're done with our busy time. 
we have to figure out how to go to Virginia, tear apart their whole factory, build a factory to house, you know, to equipment. house the equipment, <laughs> okay. figure out how to make it run, and then get that all ready for the next, you know, and, and orders are going to come in, in in June and July, and we have to be in production on a new product, you know, production line that we've never ran before. Uh-huh. How, so, how long did you have? You have from January to June to essentially so like four, five, five, six yeah, months. Yeah. Well, who who established that? Was that? It was that, it was kind of just you know, because you needed it. Right. It, it was it was like if we wanted to make you know revenue that year on this product you know mm. facility that we were buying, it needed to be ready. So it was kind of figure out who who's going to be sorted with what you know. Who's going to Virginia with a, a box of wrenches <laughs> and going to take that apart all the machines because we're not going to pay somebody to do it when we can do it ourselves. Um, so me, my uncle, and a couple of uh, employees that we have with us, we drove to Virginia, uh, stayed there for you know a week or two, just putting things on trucks uh-huh. and then sending it back to the plant. And then we had some people, you know, we had simple. some worker at the plant um, that were working on building the building, um, you know, working with the contractors to get the electrical ready. And mm. we got really lucky because um, there was a guy who worked at the plant. His name was Larry Keg, who was kind of the, the know-all of all the equipment. Um, he, him and my uncle are very similar as, you know, self-taught electricians and know how everything works and can build it. So he, he helped us kind of figure out where everything went and build it back. Um, he has this like raggedy little plane that he flies in and, and comes oh, that's up. Super and, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he flew in and helped us get it all. But we got it all running, you know, on time and made product and it, it ended up working out. But we, we we're always stressed with deadlines, I'd mm-hmm. say, because between, you know, June and December, we're just nonstop making candy, you know, getting orders out that we don't have time to think about, you know, what are we gonna do next year? So when January hits, it's kinda like all right, what are we going to do? Are we going to, you know, are we going to do this, that? If we're going to do that, we need to, you know, get it done as quickly as possible. So, you know, find the, the guy to pour the concrete, find the guy to build the building. <laughs> uh, it's an it's a orchestra, right? Like right. You're, you're, it's a symphony, if yeah. you will. Like you're yeah. constantly kind of like moving mm-hmm. things back and forth. Um, h- tell me this. What do you think is the um, most ins- important skill for an entrepreneur? I say just being able to work with people. You know, going back to like what we said, just your idea might not be the right idea, you know, but did you achieve the goal that you were trying to achieve? Um, and just being able to, you know, talk with people and work together to, to achieve a common goal, mm-hmm. I would say is the, the most important skill to have. How about successes? You know, we talked about some of the challenges. What, mm-hmm. what has been the most rewarding point of your career at Mascot? Um, as far as... Me personally, I'd say, you know, seeing our product, you know, with our brand name and in stores, you know, big retailers sitting next to, you know, Hershey's and Mars, you know, seeing our brand there um, would be a big accomplishment. But we're, uh-huh. yeah, there's still a lot more, you know, Thanks water to, to tread. Yeah. Love that. Love that. What, what, uh, if for, for people that have never tried mascot before, mm-hmm. um, how would you describe the experience? I'd describe it as, you know, we, we call it a, a little taste of history. You know, we, we've had these um, recipes and, and, and um, products for since my grandfather, you know, mm. and grandmother started. So not a lot of stuff has changed as far as the the way things are made. Um, and yeah, so I'd say tasting a little bit of history, uh-huh. um, old fashioned candy. 
yeah. That's that's kind of like the brand that's being presented, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Batch made, you know, real ingredients, you know, no additives, just straight up candy. Straight up candy. <laughs> yeah. Straight up candy. Uh, talk talk to us a, uh, about maybe some of the different ones that have been there, like historically. Um, so any items with pecans, you know, are going to be dated the furthest back. So our pecan caramel clusters, which is just caramel and pecans covered in chocolate, uh, chocolate covered pecan, you know, simple, classic. We oil roast them and cover them in salt, and then enrobe them in uh, high grade milk chocolate. You know, that's a staple. And the cinnamon glazed and sugar glazed uh, pecans are kind of the ones that date the furthest back. Mm-hmm. And is that that that's like your uh, grandmother's recipe? Um, pretty much. You know, mm-hmm. just their style of, of how they made it. You know, it was, there's nothing new to coating a pecan in chocolate. You know, it's kind of just that's what they they did so that's what we kept kept going with that's right uh what do you think is on the in the next up for mascot what do you hope to take the company i'd say just keep tackling the big retailers you know getting our product out there you know working along with retailers i think what really was a benefit for us was when the pandemic came a lot of these big retailers you know they weren't able to keep up with demand, so they discontinued a lot of items. They just stuck with, you know, these are the key items that we, you know, bring the most revenue. We're just going to stick with those for right now. Mm-hmm. Their lead times were, you know, just way too long. So certain retailers got pushed out. It's like, oh, you don't do, you know, the, pretty much for the big retailers where it's like, oh, you don't do, you know, $20 million with us. Sorry, you know, we Jeez. don't we don't need you. you know? So that kind of made them look to to people like us who, you know, have the ability to like what we say is if you don't want it don't order it Mm because we're going to ship it you know (laughs) you know we're going to get it done immediately and ship it out Mm. so i think that was a big plus for us uh was just allowing you know retailers to find us and be like hey how have we never heard of this company you know before and you guys can get us the stuff on time work with us you know you got teams that can manage artwork and and do do all that stuff and production, know about machinery. So it's kind of a one shop stop essentially for these these retailers to get what they need. That's great. Mm-hmm. So like you know, five ten years down the line, where where's the company then? Um, I would see us, you know, maybe importing more candies um, from overseas um, because you get to a point where you can only scale so big um, in the area that we're at. You know, you can only find so many people to to employ. Um, so you have to find new ways to grow the company. I think that is, uh, you know, going to be importing um, and finding, you know, if retailers say, being a spot for retailers to say, I need, you know, an Oreo cookie uh, substitute, you know, that's not Oreo so sure. I can make it, you know, our own brand. It's uh-huh. like, okay, well, we have a, a company overseas that can make that and we can source it for you. We'll bring it in and ship it out. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Where where does one go for mascot pecans? I'd say for the the common you know retailer or website you know you could get it online, which uh, is mascotpecan.com. Okay. Yep. And then we're in like dollar stores, so all okay. the dollar stores with our peanut brittle. So the old Old Dominion Peanut Company with production assets that we bought. That came with a peanut brittle uh, manufacturing process, uh-huh. and it's all continuous cook. We make eleven thousand pounds a day of <laughs> peanut brittle, um, so it's 
I think it's there's there's only two machines that are like this, uh-huh. and we're the only one that have it operational at this point. So I think it's safe to say we're the largest manufacturer of peanut brittle. That's in the, awesome in the country. That's awesome. Um, so in uh, we're in all the dollar stores with our peanut brittle. Um, we're coming to uh, Tractor Supply with their private label, so making candy for them under their label. That's what we're working on now. It'll be ready next year, um, and yeah, online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just go online. Yeah, order, you know, ship direct to consumer. What is your favorite candy? Favorite candy? I'd probably say the chocolate-covered pecans. Mm. Yeah. Classic? Yeah, just classic. Keeping it simple. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming to the show. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for re- telling us the story of Mascot. Definitely. Right. I think that is very inspiring for entrepreneurs because I think more than anything, it's being able to give something back to the family. Right. right. And and to see it uh, maintain after, you know, generation after generation, yep. I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Thanks for so, having me. Absolutely. Well, that's the show. Thank you so much. Anything you'd like to leave the audience with? Um, buy mascot pecans. <laughs> buy mascot pecans. You heard it from the man himself. Appreciate it. Thanks. Cool.